everybody, and welcome back to the Student Soapbox, the podcast hosted by the Student Association Department of Academic Affairs. I am your host, Michelle Foreno, and today we are starting a new series where we're going to spotlight some alumni from the University of Albany and give them a chance to talk about what they do outside of when they graduated. So today with me, I have Ben Spear. And Ben, do you want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Michelle, for having me. So uh, my name is Ben Spear. I'm the director of the Elections Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center, which is uh, actually based just outside of Albany uh, in East Greenbush at the Center for Internet Security. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today, Ben. Just tell us a little bit about your background. When did you graduate? And how did you get into um, your job that you have now? It sounds really interesting. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to. So uh, I actually uh, got into this, uh, started at UAlbany, graduated UAlbany in 2010, uh, with a bachelor's in political science, uh, global politics, uh, and history, a European history, uh, as well as a minor in computer science. Uh, and I then continued on uh, at Rockefeller uh, to get my master's of public administration in homeland security and information technology, strategy, and management. Uh, and so uh, a lot of my background for this role uh, came from that. Um, so just to give some background on the EII SEC, uh, and then I'll get into how that got me to from Albany to there. Um, the EII SEC, uh, as we call it, the Elections Infrastructure ISEC, uh, is a membership organization of state and local election offices uh, that are working together to secure our elections uh, from a cybersecurity perspective. It was launched after 2016 election when the uh, Russian state actors had targeted U.S. elections uh, with cyber attacks and really is intended to provide with the support of the Department of Homeland Security at the federal level, uh, no-cost cybersecurity services to state, local, and, and tribal uh, and territorial election offices. And so it's actually built on another organization, the MSI SAC, which is where I worked previously um, as an intelligence analyst. Uh, but it's really a, a great organization where we do a range of cybersecurity, um, both monitoring, incident response, intelligence, threat intelligence, um, but also a lot of it, um, particularly in my role as the director of the organization, uh, a lot of stakeholder engagement where we're actually going out to different conferences, meeting with people, trying to understand the issues that they're dealing with, uh, as well as trying to uh, encourage them to join and participate in our collaborative community. Uh, and so to talk a little about how I got here, um, <laughs> I don't know that I always knew I was going to, to be here, um, if you will. Um, cybersecurity had been something that crossed my mind, but I also um, had this interest in Homeland Security overall. And I also, uh, was in my life was leading me to stay most likely in the Albany area. And so I don't know that cybersecurity, I thought was something that I could definitely do in this area. Um, when I actually started Albany, I came in, my entire intention was to go into politics, uh, to be uh, very politically motivated and, and, and seek higher office at some point. Uh, but uh, ultimately, working uh, within the political science department with uh, my professor, Victor Asal, who I know many in the Albany community uh, know, um, working on a couple different things. He said, hey, did you hear about this cyber attack 
in Estonia. And, and back in the day, uh, Estonia had moved a Soviet statue and they actually um, were targeted by Russian actors with a cyber attack that took down Estonia's entire network. Um, and Estonia is a country that is completely internet run. They bank online, they vote online, they do all their, their work online. Uh, so that was really uh, crippling for them. Uh, and so I ended up doing my honors college thesis on this particular attack. And then I did some other things. I, I tried some politics uh, in the assembly. I did some general homeland security uh, at the National Center for Security and Preparedness, which uh, is, is based out of Rockefeller, doing some uh, active shooter training development and things like that. Uh, and I thought that was probably where my life was going to take me, somewhere within the Albany area and homeland security. I would probably pursue my political pursuits uh, locally. Uh, and I just happened to have uh, one of my professors reach out to me and say, hey, Ben, how are you doing? Um, I have a old buddy from DC who uh, is moving to this company in, in Albany, outside of Albany, that uh, does cybersecurity. And they're looking for folks that can be intelligence analysts and who can write, uh, but also understand the technical mumbo jumbo, if you will. And so I, uh, I applied for the position and I, I, I got it and it was uh, really exciting. And that was about uh, eight years ago now. And I've, I've been here ever since, uh, first as an intelligence analyst and then as a manager of that team. And ultimately um, with the work I did in 2016 to support the election, uh, leading to uh, my work here in the elections infrastructure ISAC uh, that I lead today. Wow, that's quite a wild ride. Um, it's so interesting how you literally started as a history major, European history, and then ended up in cybersecurity. Definitely quite a bit of transition. And I see you touched on how you were very interested in politics and how you wanted to go into that and how that kind of shaped your interest in cybersecurity. So politics definitely sounds like it really affects your job in many ways, whether it be hacking, but um, are there any other ways that like politics affects your job or any other external influences? Oh, certainly. I mean, politics, uh, elections themselves are right are the are the fullest uh, embodiment of of politics. Right, the decision is made, um, and there's a lot of politics around how that process itself works, as we're seeing just uh, now here. Uh, with the HR1 being passed recently by the House and coming up in the Senate. And so um, there is a lot of politics. A lot of, uh, in New York, our elections are run by bipartisan boards. Um, there's a Democrat and a Republican in each county. Um, and then the staff are, are equally Democratic and Republican. Uh, and they run these elections in a bipartisan manner. Uh, in a lot of states, uh, in most states, in fact, the election official is actually an elected official. And so they are either a Republican or a Democrat. And um, they take their jobs seriously. And election officials are uh, a dutiful bunch that um, really just want to help people vote um, in particular. And so they put those politics aside when they're doing this job. Uh, however, they're certainly differing views on, on different ways, um, particularly at the state level um, for what is the best and the most appropriate way to run an election. And certainly um, folks look to us as the security experts sometimes for 
support for a particular side. Um, we, as a, as a arm of the federal government, you know, we, we are funded by Homeland Security and um, service cybersecurity functionality. Um, we don't take a particular stance on any particular issue. Um, we try to provide unbiased um, political, uh, unbiased uh, cybersecurity um, expertise and guidance. Um, but certainly when you're talking to these people, you're talking to people who ha often have political motivations and trying to balance those as you engage across 50 states and over 8,000 jurisdictions with people who have a number of different views and, and, and trying to be respectful of those views. Yeah, that sounds like very interesting how politics, you know, you have like your Democrats, your Republicans, and they all have their own agenda and elections is the way that a lot of them gain power. And it's really awesome that they have cybersecurity in there, making sure things are running unbiased and that elections are fair from a security standpoint. So that's really cool that you do that, because I don't think a lot of people think of elections when it comes to cybersecurity. No, yeah, it's certainly something that uh, before 2016, a lot of people hadn't thought about. Um, the elections folks had thought about it. And actually, that's one of the, the, the untold stories about 2016. Everyone just hears the story, oh, that, that uh, the Russians hacked our election. And the reality is, is um, they tried in a lot of places and they only got into one. And even then they didn't really, they accessed, they accessed publicly available information. Um, security is an important part. Uh, and election officials themselves um, are natural risk managers. Um, we've had elections. There, there was an election on 9-11 in New York. Um, there was elections during hurricanes and tornadoes. There was an election in New York during Hurricane Sandy. Um, so these folks have and are required to have plans to address any type of risk. And dealing with cyber is no different than dealing with a hurricane. There's different technology, certainly, and different things you have to deal with. Um, but these folks are, are certainly prepared and, and ready to address these issues uh, to the need that they need to, which has been great to see. Yeah, that's fantastic. And do you agree with the way New York runs elections? Do you think like it's a very strong system, especially in comparison to other states? Yeah, so everyone has a different way of doing it. I don't have a particular, um, you know, piece on how one state or another state does their elections. Um, certainly New York has done a great job uh, on the security front. They developed some great programs to work with their localities to deploy security technology uh, to assess their localities uh, for the security of of their systems. And they've, they've got a great, great program to on that security front that, that uh, a lot of folks have also been able to follow as well elsewhere. Great. Um, where do you see cybersecurity heading, especially in this field? Yeah, so cybersecurity um, in particular is really moving to this idea of, you know, how we can provide as much in a single platform, if you will. Um, for a long time, a lot of it was, okay, we have antivirus um, or there's particular um, hardware or software that you would put in place like a firewall. Um, and it moved over time to this layered approach. We needed what we call defense in depth. Um, if the bad guy gets through one security uh, software or hardware, then what what is blocking them or what controls are blocking them, whether it's how you do passwords or two-factor authentication 
um, whether you have some other type of security hardware blocking the way. Um, but a lot of this is now moving um, to providers that are able to sort of provide a whole package. Uh, and, and this really comes to this, this reality of there's just so much that one needs to do. And there's only so many resources. The vast majority of organizations out there do not have a security guy or even have an IT guy, um, right? So what we've seen more and more folks are contracting that out um, or to other companies with that experience. Um, big companies have their own IT departments, they have their own cybersecurity, but the most of the world is not big. Most of the world is small. And so when it comes to small businesses, to small towns and villages and things like that in New York state um, or elsewhere, they don't necessarily have the resources or the capability. Uh, and so more and more, it's going to be about providing some sort of package or, or, or set of tools that these organizations can acquire uh, without having to, and, and know that their, their systems and data are safe to the risk level that they set without needing to, um, without needing to be worrying about it on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, yeah, having comfort with that. Absolutely. So this seems like, you know, the field is really always evolving and people are really trying to keep up with it. And it is really unfortunate to think about, especially in such a technology-based world. And the pandemic has shown us that we adapt to global issues with the scale of technology that people don't, um, small companies and a lot of the world kind of gets left behind when they don't keep up with technology. So how do you, how do you keep up with all these changes and how would other professionals or people looking to go into this field, keep up with it? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, so I, I read the news every day. That's one part. Um, I still am a, polit a political nerd, so I keep up on both the political and the tech news, uh, which can get a bit overwhelming on both hands um, now that politics and technology continue to intersect more and more. Uh, it's funny how the folks that I used to read as a, as a younger person are now talking about the things that I work on today, um, and they were com two completely different worlds uh, 10 years ago. But um, when I think about, you know, how to, besides that, um, one of the big things is just training, training, training. Um, you really never stop learning uh, in this field. You learn from the work uh, in particular um, because every attack is similar but different. Uh, so there's learning just from on the job, um, but also increasingly cybersecurity is becoming a much more professionalized sector um, there's a number of certifications. Once you sort of reach those pinnacle certifications that are out there, um, there's continuing education uh, and that you need to do to maintain those certifications. And so a lot of it goes to, to the coursework that's out there, webinars. Uh, a lot of different cybersecurity companies actually host ranges of webinars about different topics or whether, you know, sometimes it's a sales pitch. It's like, oh, we're telling you about this because our security tool can help you deal with this. Um, but a lot of times also there's some good information that you can learn and understand. Um, and so that's, that's really how, how you keep up uh, in this field. Yeah, so definitely it seems like just getting that experience and it seems like experiential learning would probably be a good thing to do. Like if it, you were somebody interested in cybersecurity, 
trying to go into this field. Yeah, certainly. I know there was some talk for a while at the business school about even doing some of that um, on site, similar to what they've done with the, the, the stock market floor. I don't know if that ever got off the ground or not, but um, experiential learning is very important with um, cybersecurity because there's, yes, it's a market where there's not a lot of jobs, where there is a lot of jobs, there's not a lot of people to take those jobs, but increasingly the people who are in those jobs and that are looking to hire people um, have a lot of knowledge and they're looking for people who don't just have the book knowledge, but have done the work. Um, and so certainly uh, a lot of, of that, there's a lot of opportunities in this area. Uh, certainly we have interns that we have as an organization across CIS, um, my, our parent company that that's in the area. Um, and so I certainly encourage students uh, that are interested in cybersecurity from a technical perspective uh, to take advantage of internships uh, because it's all well and good what, what you can learn in the classroom, um, but it's really doing the work that, that in, in cybersecurity um, helps you shine when you're, when you're in the interview process. And, and we're seeing more and more interviews that have technical um, components where you actually have to demonstrate your skills and things like that. And, and certainly experiential learning helps with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the school of uh, the College of Emergency Preparedness and Homeland Security, they have a experiential learning component. I think they have to do 100 or something training hours yes. and like three types of experiential learning classes. And students kind of find it a pain, but especially with how you're talking, like students need to be able to demonstrate those skills. And it's extremely important that they get that training. So when they go into the field, they have good knowledge of what they were doing. So you yeah. going into the field because I know you said you didn't really know you were going to end up in cybersecurity. However, um, what's something you learned in the field that you would have never learned in books? Huh. That's a hard question. <laughs> so I think, I think the big thing for me um, that I've learned over my eight years, right. Is it's not just being able to do the technical work. Um, like, like you said, I, I didn't come from a necessary, I, yeah, I, I minored in computer science, but I didn't think I was necessarily going to end up in cybersecurity or come from a, a very technical background. So really what I think is, is important for folks is it's not just being able to do the technical stuff, but it's being able to communicate with those who aren't technical, uh, about those technical issues so that they can take the right actions that they, need, they need to take. Um, particularly with election officials, that's an issue for us. Uh, these are not folks that are IT folks. And so we really want to, we really need to explain to them and help them, help them understand what the risks and threats are. And just throwing a bunch of technical gobbledygook isn't going to get them to understand that. And so really a skill that I've honed over these last, last eight years, particularly from a, from a, field perspective and, and not from a book is how do you talk to these people about these issues um, in a way that they'll understand uh, in a way that they'll address cybersecurity issues effectively um, even though they come from a non-technical background themselves yeah that's very very insightful um what do you wish you knew before going into cybersecurity I know I'm asking all the tough questions today. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. What do, what do I wish I knew before I got into cybersecurity? Um, 
So I'm actually going to go with a skill set that I, 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 I know is helpful and something that I didn't do myself when I was at SUNY. So uh, I'll, I'll tell a story, a little story um, from back when I was undergraduate. So I wasn't always just a minor in computer science. I was a major in computer science and I changed that um, fairly quickly uh, as I saw myself floundering a bit. Um, but what I do know is a lot of people traditionally that they ended up switching their major um, over to informatics. And so um, a lot of the skills that you learn in informatics, which I believe now is at, within CEHC actually, um, when it comes to networking um, and that type of side of, 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 of information technology. So as opposed to coding programs, but actually building networks and, and connecting systems and things like that. That's really where the technical skill and, and knowledge is for cybersecurity. And I didn't have a lot of that background. Uh, and I think it would have been more useful for me to have done that um, before I had gotten into this, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of goes back like that experiential learning, really important. And learning those technical skills is important to do while you're still an undergrad. But is there any other advice you have for undergrads or students just looking to get to where you are today? Speak up and and take on challenges uh that is that is the number one thing um it's so important to put yourself out there not necessarily just doing things that um not necessarily just doing things that um you're assigned but if there's opportunities that arise i as a as a new employee had the opportunity to work on the strategic plan for the entire company. I've worked on the website redesign. I've uh, worked on a number of different things that provided visibility um, so that I had access, not to just the, my, my immediate supervisors and, and, and my team on one side of the company, but to other leadership on different parts of the company and building those relationships. Um, because as people see you engaging these other topics, um, and see you successful in those as well. Um, it it helps you to succeed um, because one, you build those relationships with those other sides of the organization that may be able to support you, whether it's something as silly as getting a better monitor from IT uh, <laughs> or, or um, getting marketing to speed up a particular thing that you need. Um, it to actually getting an entirely different position. Um, I wouldn't be here in this position if I hadn't spoken up, if I hadn't stood up and said, you know, this is something that uh, is important to me um, and had the opportunity then to have FaceTime with the, with the CEO and, and other different things. Uh, and it doesn't matter who you are, um, that's, that truly people see that and they acknowledge it and, and it's really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And to all the students out there listening, remember, this is a recurring theme that we've had many alumni say, speak up, speak up, speak up, advocate for yourself. But I definitely think that's a good point to end off on. So Ben, I really want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to be on this podcast. You're very insightful. And I think you have a very interesting career that a lot of students wouldn't have necessarily thought cybersecurity was a part of. So thank you for providing that insight. Yeah, thank you. All right. Always a pleasure. Again, thank you so much. And students, 
please tune in to our next episode for our next alumni spotlight. We're going to be having a career professional in psychology or social work. So that'll be really exciting. Uh, ben, thank you for stepping onto the student soapbox today.